Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Hi, I'm Scott Hahn, and I'd like to invite you personally to join me and Breadbox Media on August 24th in New Oxford, Pennsylvania. For a day of spiritual renewal, I'll be presenting three talks, one on St. Joseph, one on the Sacrament of Matrimony, and another one on the Holy Eucharist. Learn more and register at breadboxmedia.com forward slash PA conference. I hope to see you there. Celebrate our God-given freedom and faith while honoring our Blessed Mother with Girelli's USA Rosary. Each state is represented on this rosary's 50 beads. Red, white, and blue enamel adorn its patriotic crucifix. Get yours today. Shop www.ghirelli.com. O Lord, my God, Thou searchest me. My heart and mind are known to Thee. Nothing is hidden from Thy eyes. When I sit down and when I rise. The Lord is with Thee. Blessed art Thou, Amen. Blessed for Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, and instruct the hearts of your faithful by light of the Holy Spirit. Granted by the same Spirit, may be truly wise and ever joyous in this consolation to the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Lady Guadalupe. Pray for Saint Joseph. Pray for us. Saint Ignatius Loyola. Pray for us. All God's angels and saints. Pray for us. Good morning. This is our last formal session, therefore, before I give you your reflection on the resurrection, we're going to be meditating upon the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, going from the passion, death, to the resurrection. It's always um, opportune that this juncture of your spiritual journey to give you some points on how to persevere because after this um, there's going to be um, a summer break and we you can come back uh, in our fall session which will be the uh, the end of August Mary or is it mid-September mid-September okay afterward we'll be able to give you an invitation so you can come mid-September for the next session um, so uh, the, I think the key is uh, we have to pray for the gift of perseverance. No? See our spiritual life as a, uh, St. Paul compares it to a marathon. No? Uh, as we're in a race and we don't want to, we don't want to run out of gas. No? I know about here in the east, on the west coast, but on the east coast we have, uh, across country we would have invit invitationals. Uh, you should be running, um, normally when you'd be running cross country, you're running against uh, another high school and you're running, if you're on, J, uh, you'd be on, you know, freshman, sophomore, junior varsity, or varsity, and um, you'd be running maybe against 20 runners, no, 10 on your own side and 10 against and the opponents. The invitation, you're running against hundreds. And 
Uh, I remember one of the first times I ran it, it was, back then it was two and a half miles. After about a uh, quarter of a mile, you'd see two or three of the guys that were, had keeled out and they're resting on the, the bank there and they're panting, no. Because what they did is they gunned it right away. They don't know the difference between a sprint and a long distance run. There's a difference, no? So you really can't gun it if you're running three miles. You have to, you have to pace yourself, so. So hopefully uh, you're not going to run out of gas after this course, no? <laughs> I hope not. You can if you want to. Uh, but uh, to persevere uh, in a long distance uh, cross-country run of life, uh, you have to have um, a lot of determination, a lot of willpower, but especially the grace of God and a certain network or activities that you have to try to engage yourself in. Otherwise, uh, persevere, persevering in prayer, especially persevering in uh, the practice of the holy hour is uh, easier said than done. It's easier not to do it than to do it. So if you're going to persevere, in prayer, especially mental prayer, you have to have determination, but you also have to have a network of certain activities that can help you to persevere. The experience shows that if you don't, if you do not have some type of support system, uh, making your holy hour, you're not going to persevere. It's too hard. Uh, I say for 95% of the people. But if you can follow the advice that we'll give to you, uh, there's a good chance that you will persevere. Uh, but if you don't persevere, uh, I don't want to sound like a cynic, uh, pessimist, or a skeptic, but rather, if you do not persevere, you're destined to mediocrity. You're going to be like most Catholics, uh, just going to be mediocre on a good day. Yeah. On a good day. Uh, mediocre. And hopefully none of you would like written on your tombstone, here lays Miss Mediocre. <laughs> she wouldn't kill a fly. As <laughs> if flies descend upon a tombstone. <laughs> We're lacking. We're lacking in fire. That's what we're lacking. There's no fire. Jesus said, "I've come to cast fire on the earth. I'm not at peace until that fire be enkindled." Lacking fire. So I'd like to give you about five suggestions to help you to keep on the straight and narrow path, and then uh, and then it's up to you. I think me as well as our team, we've done our part. And now it's up to you to correspond, right? In other words, we've given you uh, we've given you the instruments. You've got to use them. We've given you the baseball bat. You got to take it off your shoulders, and you got to swing. <laughs> you got to hit. You got to run. You got to slide into home plate. Take safe. <laughs> Thank you.
got to be like the American League. I won seven, <laughs> seven times, seven years in a row. Not bad, huh? Well, you know, in the All Stars, no. Got to be like the All Stars. We got to win the game, huh? We have one of those stars that's shining in the firmament of heaven. If I could speak poetically, huh? <laughs> So first, as Mary suggested, uh, you can already plan to come to the session in September and bring uh, four or five other people. Don't come alone. Bring with your swagra, with your, your mother-in-law. <laughs> bring your enemy. That's she'll be converted. Bring your neighbor. Oh, she's a Jehovah Witness. Bring her anyway. Okay. <laughs> The more the merrier, huh? The more the merrier. Okay, second is, uh, in a relatively short time, uh, I'm going to be going on retreat with about 65 retreatants. And it's an eight-day retreat. It's an eight-day Ignatian retreat. Sooner or later, hopefully sooner than later, you should all make an eight-day retreat. An eight-day retreat, uh, you go off to the house in Alhambra. We've been going for the past 11 or 12 years. You're there with a, a good group of people. Uh, I go there, and usually there's a, another oblate priest with me to help with the spiritual direction. Sometimes even more than one. You'll have... Uh, the beautiful chapel to pray in. You have daily mass. You have daily confession. I end up by giving four short talks a day to to motivate you. You've got a prayer garden there, right down the street. You got the church Saint Therese. We have perpetual adoration. So uh, I think you're from that area, right? So you got adoration, the Blessed Sacrament around the clock in the church, right down the way. So you're able to meditate the whole day. So instead of one hour a day, you can meditate five hours a day if you want. Ignatius says the purpose of making a retreat, you should leave your no normal habitat so that you can just disconnect yourself from the busy activities that we're all engaged in, right? You try to do it at home. You can, you can do it at home, but there's always uh, a lot of things, home activities that can distract us. So think about think about making a, an Ignatian retreat. Uh, we probably will be offering um, a four to five day retreat within the next few months. Also, you might be able to sign up for that. Okay. So uh, eight days is fine. But even if you do a four day retreat, four or five day retreat, you can get a lot out of that. Maybe one day you make the thirty day retreat. That's the. That's the uh, fully blossom fruit of the exercise Ignatia would be a month retreat. Okay, uh, next is on Fridays, Friday nights, we have a group which is called Perseverance in the old church at 7.30. And you're invited to come to that. We have been 
going through the, the, the topic is the diary of St. Faustina Kowalska the divine mercy in my soul so I've been going through that um, over the past couple of years there's 1,828 entries I just finished I got halfway through number 163 so I'll probably be finished in the year 2056 on my 100th birthday. <laughs> that will be my 100th birthday if I live that long. But uh, really no hurry. I really feel that the, the diary is so substantial. There's so much there in uh, catechism, theology, mystical theology. I, I find it to be just a spiritual masterpiece. I don't think you're going to get a better prayer than 163 in the diary. You pray that we'll use our eyes, our ears, our tongue, our hands to glorify God. Beautiful prayer. So I was explaining that last Thursday. I was just briefly interrupted by the earthquake, but I went on afterward. <laughs> Heard a story on... Uh, Relevant Radio a couple of minutes ago there, Louis Granada, who wrote a guidebook for sinners, which is a classic in the 1600, and he was a professor in the university there in Spain, and he was arrested when he was teaching. He was teaching, he was arrested, and he was thrown in jail for nothing that he did, so he was unjustly accused, and after three three years he was exonerated and he was discharged. He went back to the classroom and he started saying, as I was saying, three years. Blessed Luis, Luis Granada wrote a guidebook, of, guidebook for Sinners. It's a classic written by 10 publishers. So uh, see, see if you can make, um, come to these formation classes. <clears throat> I just finished a, a five-week theology class, which I planned to do in the near future. Maybe next time we'll have 10 weeks, okay? The point is if we don't, if we don't work on ongoing formation, we basically, you don't use it, you lose it. You don't uh, take seriously your ongoing formation and you, little by little, your faith becomes, becomes very mediocre, insipid, and you can actually lose your faith. No? It was a talk I gave to the Spanish-speaking people on Tuesday, my cross on St. Paul. If we don't cultivate faith, then faith is lost. A lot of people lose their faith. You know, when you cultivate it, you lose it, no? You know, if you're a singer, cantar no es espantar, right? <laughs> 
Okay, what else? Uh, another thing that should be should be taken into account is uh, good, good spiritual reading on the spiritual exercises. We, we try to transmit to you people here Ignatian spirituality. Uh, people sometimes ask you are, you, are you, are you Jesuits? And they say, we're not Jesuits, but we have the Jesuit charism. Yeah. We're not Jesuit, but we have the Jesuit charism, as well as, as, well as the Redemptorist charism giving popular missions, hmm? as well as the charism of St. Faustina. We believe in God's mercy, especially expressed through the sacrament of confession. So if you want to get to know uh, Ignatian spirituality, there's a lot of good books out there. You can see the movie of uh, St. Ignatius made in the Philippines, hmm? about three Three, and a, three or four years ago. Pretty well done. Uh, also, I would mention that um, there's a very good website. It's called Formed. F-O-R-M-E-D. Formed. <coughs> and uh, we actually subscribe to it in the parish. And if uh, you get the... Um, the password, you can get into it free of charge, and it's about the best thing you have out there with respect to formation. It has uh, podcasts, uh, blog articles, it has books, has audio books, it's got movies. It's probably the best out there for ongoing Catholic formation. It's called Formed, F-O-R-M-E-D, Formed. It's really well done. And it's, uh, it also has it in Spanish now. Not as much, but it's really growing in el idioma español. Okay, next is, uh, yeah, with respect to learning Ignatian spirituality, Father Tim Gallagher is an oblate priest who's a real expert in Ignatian spirituality. He's been in EWTN probably the past 20 years now. He's, uh, he was the Oblate prov uh, Provincial for, for several years. Uh, he was actually my spiritual director back in Rome in the, in the 80s. Uh, and uh, he's a prolific writer. He's going, giving a lot of talks to priests and seminarians all throughout the country. So I'd like to give you a list of some of his works, and uh, we have them, and we, have, we sell a lot of them, actually, in the in the office, so you could actually get them there. Sometimes even after classes, we'll have them available. So I'll give you a, a list of some of them. One would be uh, spiritual discernment, which is the uh, 14 rules of discernment that I went, I went over piecemeal, kind of in a sketchy way, but tried to do the best we could in the limited time we had. Then there's another one called spiritual consolation, which would be the, the following eight rules, which are rules for discernment. They're more subtle, but if people really want to grow in your spiritual life, you should be aware that basically as you get close to God, the devil is much more astute. Okay, the devil is much more crafty, much more, much more, much more astute. So he can actually, he can actually tempt us to do good, to do good things so that we don't do the better or the best. Yeah. 
disguise himself as an angel of light, as St. Paul says. Um, and then you can, uh, another good one would be on the daily examine. Many people struggle with the daily examine. They find it really difficult to do it. Is because we don't we don't prioritize it. You should all try to do a daily examine every day. Give yourself ten minutes. It doesn't have to be at 11:50 p.m. It can be any time during the course of the day. If you do the daily examine, it's very helpful. And it's not, Father Tim says, it's not uh, a moral necessarily a moral exam that you're doing to prepare for confession, but rather to see the orientation of your heart where your heart is, when, you're, when your heart is being moved off keel. Example I've often given is, uh, when I go on vacation to be with my mom and some of my siblings, uh, they have a house on the lake in New Hampshire, and I, I do a lot of, a lot of sports. So, uh, I swam my first mile when I was 12, and so I'm pretty, I'm pretty athletic, no? When I hit the lake there, I've noticed sometimes I've actually, I'm swimming and I do a U-turn and not even aware of it. Because the current can kind of pull you, uh, pull you off. Actually, I remember doing a U-turn when I'm swimming toward one dock and I'm swimming back to the dock where it started off, no? And I think it's a good image of what the devil can sometimes do. He can throw curveballs and pull us off on a U-term and we're not even aware of it if we don't keep examining our lives, examining the orientation of our heart. Now, we hadn't spent too much time on this topic, but we gave you a card that all of you have um, to make it easy. But... Um, one example I've often given is this. How could someone commit adultery if they did that? I think almost impossible. Because if, say for example, you, you, you're not getting along well with your husband or your wife. You're at work and there's, uh, there's someone that, uh, that likes you and you like him too. And during the coffee break, you're having a coffee break with this guy and your heart is beating a little bit faster. <laughs> he casts a romantic gaze at you. Una mirada romantica. Now, if you do your daily examine, what's going to happen at night? If you do it well. Be honest. Obviously, the Holy Spirit's going to say, hey, get out of there. That's adultery of the heart. But if you don't do it, you can justify it. Well, we're just friends. We help each other with our marital problems. We're supposed to practice uh, the social virtue of kindness. We've got to be kind and we have to be socially affable toward our fellow man and woman, right? How the devil. 
But if it's done well, hey, Moebite Flaka, get out of there. You're in, you're in real danger. But also, it's going to show you during the course of the day how God has been how God has been working on you, but also how the devil has been working on you. So the daily exam, and uh, there's a really good book written on that, Father Tim Gallagher, and invite you to um, to read that. But first, you have to buy it. <laughs> then there's another one on uh, that's related to. Uh, Discerning your vocation, he's written one on that. He mentioned that during the uh, seventh week with uh, Call of the King, the three grades of man, three classes of humility that disposes us to have the attitude of holy indifference and we can make decisions that are very important in our lives. So he explains that book in detail. Um, I always forget the title of it, but it's a book on discerning your vocation. Be able to get it in the office. Yeah. Then uh, there's another book called Lectio Divina. It explains um, that classical prayer that has been a patrimony of Catholicism, Lectio Divina. Then there's another book on our founder founder of the Oblates, Father, Venerable Father Bruno Lanteri, get to know the Oblates by getting to know our founder, our founder, he's the one that has left our charism to our congregation. Pretty fascinating, his life. He's venerable and we hope that he'll be beatified and canonized as soon as possible, but um, God has his time, right? And Father Tim also wrote a book on, on meditation and contemplation, just taking a biblical passage and, and kind of what I did, going through, giving you various points to help you to enter into dialogue with the Lord. Then I rarely do this, but if you really want to go on your Marian devotion, uh, uh, yours truly wrote a book on Marian consecration, you can buy that too, okay? by Sophia Press. Okay, I wrote my second book, uh, is Consecration to Mary Through the Mystery of the Rosary. Uh, a lot of people really like the book. and So uh, that one we have in the office. If, if they run out of it, I got, I've got a couple of boxes, my confessional. So these are, uh, these are literary sources that we invite you to try to delve into them to go deeper. No? Part of our charism is promoting good reading. Yeah. There was a, a lady last night, an older lady. How many, how many books did she say? Five thousand. She read five thousand. Yeah, a woman, an older, she said she's read five thousand books. Probably haven't even read 5,000 words, right? <laughs> yeah. And now I believe you, and then you throw out Tolstoy and Dostoevsky and all these classes. Yeah, I read that, I read that, I read that, I read that. Yeah. Wow. Very impressive. Hmm? Mm. Maybe she was 
No, she no, she says she started reading when she was about three. So I guess she's a little very precocious, obviously very intelligent, probably about eighty years old, but just a very charming, um, joyful woman. And uh, yeah. And uh, how many letters Saint Ignatius? I always ask you this. Seven thousand. So Saint Ignatius wrote seven thousand letters. She hadn't read read those yet, no. though. <laughs> but she probably she probably started last night after the class. <laughs> <laughs> when I see her, she'll probably say, Father, I read 5,000, got 2,000 more to go. No? <laughs> yeah, Father Thomas Dubay says, uh, Busy people only have enough time to read the best books. Um, so I think you have to be judicious and have to discern what you're going to be reading. It would be great to read uh, War and Peace, but it's a really big book, no? Okay, so there... Uh, 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 last but not least uh, would be this. Jesus says, if a blind man is leading, uh, a blind man has a blind guide, they're both going to end up in the pit, right? So uh, that, uh, that brings me to this point. All of you should have a spiritual director. Okay? All of you, ha you should have a spiritual director. If you, if you take seriously your spiritual life, otherwise you're going to stagnate. You're going to arrive at a certain point where you're not going to. You're going to re reach a plateau. You're stagnate. You're not going to grow anymore. I mean, that's take that. Uh, take that as par for the course. Nike give you a lot of analogies. Um, I like, you know, by now you know that I, I like, uh, I, I like the sport of baseball. I like baseball. Uh, I don't know if any of you will like the sport or not, but if um, I happen to like the Yankees, I'm a New Yorker. You no, know? they have a batting coach, they have a pitching coach, they've got coaches for everything, and. Um, If a batter is not hitting well, they're going to watch the videos, and the batting coach is going to say, the reason why you're popping it up is that when you get the bat, you have to be like a lumberjack. You have to hit down on it. You have an upper swing. See, popping out. Or the can of corn in New Jersey. Huh? So you have to hold back and maybe wait on the ball a little bit, and instead of having uppercut, where you're going to be either grounding it out or popping it up, you have to dig, you have to dig in there and then you got to pound it like a lumberjack. And then what you have to try to hit, hit a line shot. Most of the Yankees, they want to hit home runs, okay? But a line shot is usually going to be a single or a double. So I've given you a free course in baseball today, okay? <laughs> so, uh, or something that we have in, in, in L.A., 
most of you are immigrants. Probably half of you are immigrants. Okay, if you want to speak, you want to speak a good English, being a teacher, learning a language, you have, you have, to, you have to master three principles. You have to know grammar. You have to have vocabulary and you have to have pronunciation. Uh, this is my old teacher coming out of me now, okay? You have to have you have to have grammar. You have to know the difference between the present, the future, the imperfect, the conditional, subjunctive, you know, a split infinitive, a gerund, okay? Prepositional phrase, the subjunctive. There's my teacher coming out again, okay? But you have to know you have to know the parts of you have to know verbs and the parts of speech. Otherwise, you're going to be spoken, speaking a broken English, no. And um, so, when people speak to me. I'm very attentive to see if the person speaks a good English or not. No? But that depends. That, that that depends about the time, the effort, the energy that you put into trying to learn the language. Well. Uh, the same thing applies to our spiritual life. We have to have someone to coach us on. Call the spiritual director. Because also we all have blind spots. I remember back in 73 when I was about to get my driver's license. I never, the thing that I remember most when I was getting my driver's license is there's always a blind spot. That's the one thing I, remind, I remember more than anything else. No. And when I'm driving, uh, I'm always aware that you're going to be driving and be pulling from one lane. There is a blind spot. If you're not aware of that, you're probably going to get in an accident sooner or later. Not only are there blind spots on the freeway, but there are blind spots in our spiritual life. Maybe this will happen. Once you did some spring cleaning and you're, you're cleaning out a, a closet and there was a dust ball, a dust ball that was probably there for 40 years and you finally found it. You never saw it before because you didn't move the furniture in one way. There's a dust ball there since 1974. We all have dust balls in the closets of our soul that have to be swept out. Clean sleep with Father Broom. Okay. <laughs> What? Oh, yeah. That's right, yes. God has to send earthquakes, otherwise we remain in our apathetic, apathetic state. No, we never, never move on. Did you know that Teresa of Avila had three spiritual directors that were canonized saints? Did you know that? I didn't think so, so I told you that. John of the Cross. St. Peter Alcantara, San Francisco Borja, three. Not only that, but she had a spiritual director who's not a canonized saint, but possibly the greatest theologian in her time, and his name was Jerónimo Gracián Domenico. Jerome Gracián, who was a Dominican theologian back in the time of Teresa of Avila. He was the, he was the, he was the, Probably the best theologian. So she had these four men who were helping her in her spiritual life. Not bad, huh? Isn't that great? You've got three canonized saints directing you, no? And the best theologian in the world? <laughs> That's not possible, though, is it? 
So all of you have to get a director, and uh, this is uh, this is how it can be done. I think it's a no-brainer that the best, uh, usually the best director would be uh, an ordained priest because we have holy orders, right? And we have many many years of studying philosophy and theology and many different topics. You know? Uh, but, but given that the priest uh, is more and more becoming a more rare commodity, if I can use that terminology, you know, uh, we have, in this parish, we have formed spiritual directors that are lay people. How about that? Which they're going through a formal, they've gone through formal training under our supervision, and they can be your directors. So already we have uh, about uh, say 25 to 30 uh, prayer companions and within another two years we should have in St. Peter Schnell close to 60 spiritual directors. That is probably the most in the whole country. There's no parish in the country that would have that. So that's huge. So all of you, all of you if you want, you can all have spiritual direction. And it's up to you. I cannot force it down your throat. I'm, 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 I'm not going to treat you like romper room kindergarten kids. I'm not going to treat it's an insult to your intelligence, right? As I say, I can't shove it down your throat, okay? But I can offer. I can offer. And so if you don't have that, you're, 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 you're going to arrive at a certain, you're a good person, but you're not going to arrive at the level of holiness that God is calling you to. That's a great question, and I'll respond to it. Uh, at the end of the talk, Mary's going to have a sheet of paper. You write down your name, and probably within, within a month, we will uh, assign you a spiritual director. You are more than welcome. Okay? So I think all of you should, should opt for that. Let me tell you why. If not, within a month, you're going to give up your holy hour. You're going to give it up. Unless every week you see me, and I, you see me, I'm, how's your holy hour going? You're going to avoid me when I'm walking down. <laughs> you're obviously seeing me, well, here's Father Broom. I know what he's going to ask me, no? You're going to go around the corner, but I tend to be quicker than you, and I'll cut you off at the gate, no? He says, how's your holy hour going? Hey, Father, did the Yankees won? Who about them? They beat the Dodgers, huh? Uh, yeah. Will all the spiritual directors have a background at all in the spirituality? Yes. Yes. Uh, um, most of them have been formed by the Oblates in Denver. And the Denver team actually is comes here. They're going to be here next next week, right, Mary? August, uh, August 1st. August 1st, we're going to have a they going to, they come here sometimes they travel there others have gone to Florida the Clearwater Center where Father Tim is taught others have gone to Eric Files went to Houston but uh, they're being formed uh, by very solid Orthodox uh, teaching no? we're not going to be sending 
them to a teaching that's um, it's ambiguous, no? Because there's a lot of theology that is, is just um, besmirched with uh, erroneous teaching. And how do lay people pick that up? They can't. But like I sit down, I, I, I pick up a skunk a mile away. <laughs> Maybe two miles away, no? I never met anyone, a lay person that picks up a skunk when you have uh, a skunk in moral theology, in bad teaching, I've ever met, then my mother. I mean, she picked it up like a, she can smell a skunk a mile away. When the liberal teaching was coming into the schools, the other mothers were, their heads were in the clouds, and my mom picked it up light years before that. <laughs> I should go down to the principal and fight with the principal, then, the, then, then pull, the, pull my brother out of the sex ed class, have to fight with the principal, and went had to go to the, the head of the district, and, and she won. <laughs> and she won. You know, with five feet tall, 99 pounds, but she's a... Uh, no, no. Because she's very well, very well formed in, 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 in theology. She doesn't have a degree in theology, but when something is a little bit of off mark, her antenna's up, and that's part of the sacrament of matrimony, her obligation to save her kids. If her kids are being formed by, um, by bad teaching, they can lose their souls. No? Back, uh, my youngest brother, they were trying to force him to have sex education. My mother came storming to the school and said, he's not going to go there. And they wouldn't allow my mother, and then she went to the principal, and then she went to the head of the district, and then she finally won. She pulled him out of the class. He was the only one sitting in the library during the class. And he was really angry at my mother because he was, he was singled out. Really angry at her. He was the only one sitting in the library when all they were watching the sex education was basically pornography, you know? <laughs> this was 30 years ago. 30 years ago, yeah? Because of this uh, very keen sense of what's right and what's wrong. Yes. Oh, um, how do you apply to become um, Okay, yeah, take one step at a time. Once you get your director, and you maybe have been with your director a few months, discern to see if that's that's your God. That's God's will. Uh, have you had a spiritual director? You should first have a spiritual director, maybe for a year before presuming to be a, a spiritual director yourself. You have to see the whole dynamic of it. Okay? It's a beautiful vocation. No? Like if I were a lay person, not a priest, I would, I would definitely uh, uh, try to be involved in that. No? Because, you know, uh, a, a, a director can help you to become a saint. Because really what the director is doing is trying to connect you with God. You see the disconnects that are there? Kind of like a bridge, connecting you with Christ. And if you don't have the director, because the spiritual director, the basic thing that your director is going to ask you is this. Are you faithful to your daily holy hour? Yeah. That's, that's, that's probably the most important thing. Are you faithful? If you're not going to do your daily holy hours, you know, there's no purpose in having a spiritual director. 
you say to shoot the breeze and talk about the weather, talk about you know the, the flowers. No, you can do that with your amiga chismosa, right? <laughs> uh, no, it's to talk about your prayer life. You talk about your prayer life, and you've got accountability. You come there and you haven't been praying, and your and your director says, "How's your holy hour going?" I haven't done it. Why? Because you're lazy. <laughs> Have you eaten the past month? Of course, looking a little bit heavier, no? Okay. Uh, do you watch TV? Every night, yes. See, so you're, you're, you're using your time in a way in which it's not, not most profitable. The most profitable way to use our time is to talk to God. To grow in our prayer life. Amen? Okay, so hopefully all of you will sign up for that. And You'll have a director, and then you'll be able to persevere. You'll all become great saints, huh? Amen? Amen. Amen or oh me. It's an amen, right? Okay, this week, we're celebrating the resurrection of our Lord. So we're going to be, this is our antiphon. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Alleluia. The Lord is truly, truly risen. Alleluia. And the grace you're going to be begging for is, is this. How's your Spanish? Intensissimo gozo. Intensissimo gozo. How's your Spanish? Your Espanol. Intensissimo, that's called... If you know your grammar well, that's called the superlative. Good, better, best. Most intense, intensissimo, most intense joy. So last week, really, what a contrast. Last week you were suffering with Christ, right? How'd it go last week? Hello? Powerful but good, right? Very powerful week, the week of the Passion. And if you do it well, it's heart-rending. I mean, it really moves you to see how much God loves us. If you took it seriously, if you're just floating like a dead, dead corpse down a stultified stream, you're not going to do anything. But if you really try to do it well, that's really go deep in your spiritual life. So this one, praying for most intense joy. But the reason behind this joy is because Christ has truly, he's truly risen from the dead. And that is a source of infinite joy. So your joy, it's not going to be a drop of water, it's going to be like the Pacific Ocean. Like that? Not a thimble, but an ocean. <laughs> Maybe, you, maybe you've never done that. You know, begging, begging that you be a joyful person, and not a sad sap. Okay. You beg that you be a joyful person. You know, walking around with a fu funeral face. No, your name is Miss Forest Lawn, huh? <laughs> uh, Boris Karloff, Frankenstein face. No. Beg that you be joyful. 
you know that sadness is contagious, but also a smile is contagious, yeah? Hey, I see ya. <laughs> sadness is contagious, but also joy is contagious. Do we have any mothers here that you set the tone of your family? If you're, if you're sad, your, your children can be sad. That's been proven. Your mother's always moping around with a caridos metro. That influences the family. Right? Yeah. You got a depressed mother, you got to send your daughter to the psychologist. <laughs> And if we really have God within our hearts, we really believe in the resurrection, we believe that one day we're going to go to heaven, we believe that life is short, we're here as pilgrims, we believe that God loves us, we believe that Mama Mary loves us, we can receive communion every day, we should be overflowing with joy. Right, Rodina? Yeah, I mean, with all these gifts that we have, that's why we should call to mind your blessings. Amen? Call to mind your blessings. But the reason for the joy is that Jesus is truly risen. It was a sixth uh, grade class and um, English class. And the teacher said, uh, I want you to write a composition, three-page composition, on the most famous living person that you know. This is about 25 years ago. One boy wrote a um, composition on Michael Jordan. Over here, Michael Jordan. Back then he was probably the most famous athlete in the world about 25 years ago. Played for the Chicago Bulls, no? They called him Air Jordan, no? Another boy had, uh, inst instead of um, Suppose he had more musical inclinations. And he said, well, he wrote on, on, on Michael Jackson. Ever hear of him? And then another boy wrote a composition, three-page composition, on Jesus Christ. And the teacher publicly rebuked him and said, I told you to write a composition on a living person, and the little boy said, Jesus Christ is risen, hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> He's alive, isn't he? <laughs> I think you. <laughs> Probably would have been, no? Um, yeah? Jesus Christ is risen, hallelujah. So that's the, the reason for our joy. Jesus is truly risen from the dead. But the reason is Jesus Christ. St. Paul, uh, Paul wrote a letter to the Filipinos. Did you read that? <laughs> Didn't it? It's Galatians, Ephesians, Filipinos. <laughs> I thought it was Filipinos. Not <laughs> Filipinos? Philippians. Philadelphians. Philadelphians. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Philippians 4, 4 
St. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord. I say it again, Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. I say it again, Rejoice in the Lord. The Blessed Mother says in her Magnificat, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So the, the resurrection scenes, what are they going to be? The first is who was the first one that Jesus appeared to? Do you know? You don't know. You're a Protestant. You're not a Catholic. <laughs> you appeared to Mama Mary. Oh! <laughs> ah, you're a Protestant. Yep. <laughs> Not everything is written in the Bible. We believe that he first appeared to Mama Mary. Yes. She's the only one that didn't doubt. Now, you're going to have to try to imagine how that was. Where it was, the time, the gestures, what Jesus said to Mary, what Mary said to Jesus. You have to compose that. It turns out to be a very beautiful contemplation. Very beautiful contemplation. Then he did appear to Mary Magdalene early in the morning. And later on at night, he appeared to the apostles who were in the upper room. At night, they were in the upper room, but the doors closed for fear of being arrested and they're afraid that they're going to maybe die the way the Lord died. They didn't want that. Well, they, were, they weren't ready for that yet. So they had, the, they had the doors barred. And he walked right through the wall and said, Shalom! Peace be with you. And he said, As the Father sent me, so I send you. Then he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And he says, Whose sins you forgive, they will be forgiven. Whose sins you hold bound, they will be held bound. So that's... And then there's another. Saint, oh, this is Easter. It was there are two disciples walking the road to Emmaus. Luke chapter 24. And they met him in the breaking the bread. Last night I went through that, but uh, for sake of variety, I'm going to give you another one. John chapter 21. It's the last scene and last apparition of Jesus in the Gospels. And it's this. Peter says, I'm going to go fishing. He's a born leader. And they say, we'll go with you. So Peter, being a fisherman, he goes into the boat. And uh, some of his companions are with him. And they're fishing all night. And the only thing that they catch is the breeze. That's about all. Yeah. You can't put that in your, in your boat, though, can you? No? So all night, they're throwing those heavy nets in. They're pulling them out. I mean, that wasn't a piece of cake. Those nets were pretty heavy. So Peter was very strong, strong physically. 
If you're doing that, say you're doing that 50 times a night, you're pulling up those soaked nets, maybe weigh 100 pounds. They probably had, what's stronger than Popeye? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they don't catch anything the whole night. How would you feel? Desolation, right? So there, when the sun is coming up, see the symbolism? When the sun is rising, and the darkness is dissipating, there on the shore, they hear a voice. And the voice says, Ejitos, my little children, have you caught anything? Peter, with a very laconic, taciturn response, says, a two-letter word, no. <laughs> he just says no. He doesn't give any, ex any explanations. No? Then the stranger, stranger says, well, why don't you throw your nets on the other side of the boat? So what do you think went on in them? They're probably kind of frustrated, probably thinking, you know, the fish usually don't bite early in the morning anyway, but Hey, we got nothing to lose, right? Nothing to lose, everything to gain. So they lift the nets and they throw them on the other side of the boat. And guess what? You catch it just in pescadito? A little minnow? No. They, they really caught a huge amount of fish. There was a lot of fish. In that moment, Eagle Eye John, I call him Eagle Eye John, Eagle Eye John, recognizes that that stranger on the shore, his name is Jesus Christ. And he say, it is the Lord. And Peter, preparing for the Olympic Games and swimming. <laughs> he launches into the sea. Probably a pretty good swimmer, huh? And it was only about 100 yards. So pretty close. But he's so enthusiastic that he wants to meet the Lord. Right, Jeannie? He's so joyful, enthusiastic, he wants to meet the Lord. He's swimming to the shore. A very interesting thing is when he throws himself in, he actually puts his clothes on. Seems to be kind of funny, huh? Importance of modesty before the Lord, right? Amen? Then the ship arrives. And what's happening there, the beautiful scenes, you can enter into any of these scenes that really seem to captivate you most. What, what's happening is there, there on the shore, Jesus is preparing breakfast for them. And he's preparing breakfast. Think he was a good cook? Probably pretty simple, but a good cook, right? And he's preparing two things, two of the most common foods. Probably the most common food for the Philippines. Fish and bread, huh? Right? 
Well, there's no rice, though, okay? So <laughs> you have to be you have to be a t a detached, right? <laughs> Nothing wrong with bread, huh? So he's preparing. He's preparing a meal for them. But he recognizes that uh, there's not there's probably not enough there. So he tells he tells them to go and to haul the net of fish to the shore. And who does it is Peter. And I've often thought when he does this gesture, I mean, the guy, the guy, the guy must have been really strong. Because they weren't small fish, were they? They were big fish. And it's interesting because they even counted the number of fish. You know how many? 153. They actually counted the number. 153 big fish. Now, if each big fish uh, weighed uh, weighed maybe five pounds, that would that would have been probably 700 pounds. I mean, he, you think he was strong? And no one helped. Him. He did it by himself. So he's 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 yanking. He's dragging this net filled with fish, filled with fish. Okay, so the first interpretation is this. We're all called to be fishers of men. We're all called to be fishers of men. But if we fish without Jesus, we're not going to catch anything. Amen? No matter how hard you try, if Jesus is not in the boat, he's not on the shore, you're just going to catch the breeze. Nothing more than that. End up in desolation. Right? Second is that Jesus speaks to them and they obey. Very important we learn how to obey the voice of God. They obeyed. Third is that even though Peter did haul the net to pull in the, the fish out of the water, there had to be a team. We have to learn the importance of teamwork. Not always being rugged individualists like Daniel Boone, huh? We have to learn to work with others. In unity, there is strength. Next is uh, the importance of um, spending time with Christ. They really enjoyed being with Christ. But it doesn't end there. Uh, none of them doubt that it's Jesus, because Jesus had prepared and he actually eats in front of them. Purpose for Jesus eating in front of them, not, not so much because Jesus had hunger, but he wanted to prove to them that it was not a ghost, because a ghost isn't going to be eating fish. So this is really the risen Jesus. And St. Ignatius says that one of the things that we notice here is how Jesus comes to console. 
Jesus comes to console. They were in profound desolation because of his death on the cross. Now he comes to console and he says, meditate how, how friends console other friends, like at a funeral, or at a loss, or economic failure. Our friends know how to console friends, right? You've done it and others have done it to you. And we've received consolation from others. Maybe a smile, maybe a good word, maybe a word of encouragement, maybe a gesture, maybe an email, maybe a gift, maybe a prayer, maybe a, maybe a mass offered. People show us gestures of consolation and we're thankful for those. Jesus comes to console them and to encourage them, to help them. But it's not finished. This is John chapter 21. Not 22 because there's only 21 chapters. Okay? After they're, they've eaten. And this is the last part of the gospel. And I think if you do not read and understand the last part of the gospel, you don't understand all of the gospels. I consider this to be one of the most important parts of all the gospels. The last 10 verses of John chapter 21. So what Jesus does, he takes, he takes two of the apostles apart. So there's a group of them. Not many, but Andrew was probably there. Philip may have been there. Um, James was probably there. These are the fishermen. But he pulls one of them aside. Another one is walking behind them. So Jesus is walking side by side with Simon Peter. You could do a long, long meditation on this. Imagine you're there. He's walking side by side with Peter. And I see, I, I see it this way, that, that our Lord is uh, very majestic. He's got his wounds in his hands and his feet. He's just radiating, just radiating peace and comfort and uh, poise and uh, majesty. Oh, he's just radiating, radiating goodness. I see, Peter, his head is down a little bit like this. There's a difference. I wonder why. Fulton Sheen says that when Jesus was preparing the bread and the fish, there was a fire. Peter shied away from the fire. What happened three days earlier? There was a fire, right? He called him on that fire, that holy Thursday night. So they're walking. Try to imagine as they're walking, Jesus stops. They're walking side by. He stops and looks at Peter. And says, "Do you love me? Do you love me?" Peter says, "Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Feed my sheep."
And behind them, there's another man. He's maybe, maybe four or five steps behind, walking behind them. They're walking again. And Jesus stops and says, Peter, do you love me? Well, you know everything. You know I love you. Feed my lambs. So they're walking another 25 steps and Jesus stops and just looks at Peter in the eye, a penetrating glance. Looks at his eyes, which arrives at the very depth of his soul. Do you love me? And it hurt because he asked him three times. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. He says, when you were young, you used to gird yourself, get up and go wherever you want. But when you're older, they will bind you and take you where you don't want to go indicating the death that he would suffer to glorify the Lord. And Peter apparently turns around and he says, what about him? That was St. John the Evangelist. What him? I failed you, but he didn't fail you. Maybe he's saying, Lord, you know, Maybe he's the one that you should be saying, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. He's younger, he's more pure, he's more holy, he's more faithful. I failed you. I denied you three times. Maybe you should choose him. Mm -hmm. Lord, what about him? He says, what does it matter to you? You follow me. And that's how the gospel ends. And then John concludes by saying that there are many, many, many more things that Jesus did that are not recorded. He said, I really believe that all the books in the world would not be able to contain all the other things that Jesus did. And the gospels end with that. So who's really walking on the shore next to Jesus? Really, it's you. It's you. And he's asking you, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Hopefully all of you will say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I really love you. Even though we failed many, many times, God always loves us anyway. You have to say, Lord, I love you. And that's enough. And really, at the end of our lives, the only thing that really matters is that we love God. The primary purpose of these exercises in the Catholic faith is we are called to fall in love with Christ, to love him with all of our heart, all our mind, all our strength, all our soul, and to love our neighbor as ourself. That's the essence and the purpose of our existence, and that is principle and foundation
that is brought to its, its fulfillment, as we said ten weeks ago. Principle Foundation fully blossoming is what I've just told you right now. Principle Foundation is loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And if we live that out when we die, the purpose of the resurrection is to open up the gates of heaven to us so that all of us will be with the angels, the saints, the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit for all eternity. Amen? Amen. So in conclusion, I would like to, I would like all of you to uh, thank your facilitator for their hard work and give them an applause. We thank you. And God bless you. And I pray that, I'll pray for you that you all persevere, that you, you hang in there. You no, know, because it's easier to just to give it up. But try to take into account what I've just told you, to get direction, to be faithful to your holy hour. And remember, remember this. This is a good philosophy, I believe. Let's work hard in this life and we can rest forever in heaven. Amen. Okay? That's my name. Hello, this is international Catholic singer Anna Nuzzo, inviting you to join me and Father Dan Cambra of the Marian Fathers on a select international tour's Divine Mercy pilgrimage to Poland and the Czech Republic. It takes place in September of 2019, and we would love for you to join us. For more information, go to my website, AnnaNuzo.com. Thank you, and God bless. Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com Featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith, not just a profile picture. For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com and the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website is ready to help single Catholics take the next step in sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics. Remember, CatholicSingles.com for faith, fellowship, and love.